Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting with headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banner friendly and the conversation somewhat on topic and having fun doing it. This week, we are spouting off about our expectations from our hardware. Let's get into episode four. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. And with me today is Wendy, the photographer extraordinaire of the DL and community and the person with a totally unhealthy obsession with OpenSUSE. Almost. Keep telling yourself that. Nate, what's going on, guys? <laughs> Living the dream, I think. Your dream is probably green and OpenSUSE and a plushie. Green and filled with chameleons and uh, everything else. Not chameleons. Yeah, chameleons. I always thought gecko, but that's chameleons and all things wonderful that are uh, chameleon-like. You include plushies. And people want to know why I say you have an unhealthy obsession with it. <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. Thing is, is on this episode in particular, I mentioned it last week, but on this episode in particular, the banter did start in the show notes already. So this has been going on for a while. It's just a continuation of, well, what I've been laughing at now here for a bit. So hi guys. <laughs> I don't know why Matt started it. I didn't start it. You started it in the show notes by calling me a bonehead. So <laughs> that's all you. <laughs> what? No, I would never say Apparently that. Apparently that's today topic is why is Matt a bonehead? So this is going to be an interesting one. So those that don't know, Nate is the <laughs> one that has been showing the show notes and these things pop up. So I just retort back with more sarcasm than he gives initially. And he gets all mad about it. I don't get mad at all. I get even. Yeah, you just retaliate. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> right. Anyway... <laughs> So as you can tell, the banter is, well, somewhat friendly and topic. We're not even close to it at the moment. <laughs> no, we're not even close to being on topic this time. I don't know why you took it so far off, Matt, uh, but you did. Wow, I'm getting the blame for it. I wonder if this is how <laughs> Michael feels when he constantly gets picked on by, uh, you know, Ryan. And, well, I can't say Jill because it's just Ryan. <laughs> Nate's kind of on fire today. The difference, Matt, is Michael doesn't deserve it. That's the difference. Doesn't he, though? <laughs> doesn't he? I mean, let's be honest. Okay, to be fair, Michael and Ryan both need their fair share of ribbing and I do my best to try and help with that during the recording of Hardware Addicts. In fairness, probably the, most of the ribbing that you give them on Hardware Addicts does not make it into the show. Exactly. <laughs> like none of it. So Unfortunately, part of our whole <laughs> shtick is this is going to be probably heard by the world. Most of it probably. Yes. But with that being said, so Wendy, what have you been up to this past week? Well, I did get to stop in for just a little bit to Linux Saloon. It was really awesome to get to see everybody for just a second. Unfortunately, Fortunately, I got to not feeling so good and wasn't able to stay on, but Magneto hung around on camera for quite a while and he told me, he's like, hey, he did. someone just said, that's not Wendy. And he's like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I would have felt better. I had just eaten some things that didn't agree with me very much. And anybody who's joined into the OpenSUSE bar or one of those other stops, we've kind of talked about my battles with that thing. I ended up not feeling so good. So even though I wanted to jump in and chat and all of that fun stuff and Magneto was definitely in the mood to jump in and say some stuff. Off air, I've got to talk to you some things. Magneto offered to do a Bitwarden ad read and his version of it is absolutely hilarious. So I will tell you all of that later because I can't actually tell you now and we couldn't actually air the ad even though they're a fantastic sponsor of the show. The other thing I had to do was speaking of trolling and all the trolling going on, I was 
busy editing the show last night and needed to pull a clip for the main Destination Linux channel. And the one that I ended up pulling was dealing with GameSphere and the voting and stuff that you guys can do in order to pick the game that he's going to be live streaming. And in that clip, I hear myself say again, hey, I need to make my own poll about whether or not Matt should be playing Among Us. And that's exactly what I did. There is a live poll on the discourse form where you can go decide if Matt should play Among Us or not. I'm trying to decide if I should read you what the options are. What the heck? I'm actually going to go ahead and tell you what the options are. Your choices are yes, most definitely, or why hasn't he played already? At this point, during time of recording, we have five votes. 60% of the people are saying, hey, Matt, why haven't you played already? Sounds perfectly reasonable to me. I know. My take on that poll, regardless of the answer, the answer is yes. Exactly. It's a perfectly written poll. Uh, It is totally not a perfectly written poll (laughs) because the answer is no. (laughs) (laughs) there's not a leading question at all not at all yeah no no definitely not at all so i did stay up extra late last night just because i needed to get this troll in and once i had the poll made then i had to make sure that it got into the show notes for episode three and once again it will be in the show notes for this episode episode four of linux out loud so if you haven't voted in that poll already Go do that because I want to see what the final answer is. It's probably going to be, why hasn't he played it already? No, I can tell you what the final answer is going to be. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Matt. I wish you were fun. Speaking of fun and Linux Saloon all wrapped up in one, you have some different changes and tweaks that are coming to Linux Saloon, Nate. What are some of the things that you're going to be switching up? Just a few things. The big part of it is distro reviews are a lot of work for me. I spend a lot of time preparing for it, working on it, muddling my way through. And I also feel like it's sometimes not inclusive of everybody who might want to join in on a lug. So talk to Michael about this a little bit and you know Michael always has good ideas so besides the distro explorations we're going to have some other things too like we're going to evaluate applications news flights this week in Linux and I take those topics I roll them into the show and very rarely do I actually get to one of those topics because everyone is excited and engaged in talking about whatever distribution we've been exploring but I'm also going to have an open mic night which is this coming weekend which will be a few days from the time of when this show is released and we're going to take topics from the discourse forums or anywhere basically around the internet chat on those topics It's kind of like what we do here, but we only grab one topic. There, we're just going to grab a bunch of topics and and just dig into them. So I thought it'd be more fun to call it an open mic night. Hopefully nobody ends up singing unless it's Matt and he sings the Care Bears song again. That would be cool. But for here, we're just going to have topics. So we're already building a list out of different topics we're going to talk about. People are are already pouring in suggestions and whatnot on the Telegram. I'm pretty excited. I think it's going to be a good show on Saturday, which again, when people hear this, the show is already done and I'm sure it was a good show. I really hope that I get to join in on the show. It looks like a lot of fun. I do enjoy listening to you guys talk about the different distributions that you try, but like you, that's a lot of work to put in to get a distro in every week. So I would love to jump in this coming week on open mic night, see everybody. Hopefully I'll be feeling better. Are you going to do a combination like one week it's going to be more distro related, one week it's going to be more app choice related, and another one's going to be like an open night, just kind of rotate through those different forms of the show? That's exactly it. So it looks like right now I'm leaning on four different show formats, essentially not formats, but four different core topics. 
next week, it should be a low prep time for me. So I'm hoping to reduce some of the stress on the prep time. Nice. Mostly just lean on people who are in the show that want to talk about various things. And it can be, you know, community projects that they're working on, stuff they're working on in their own personal Linux lab or whatever. It can be anything. Or, you know, if they're gaming, it can be gaming related. It really doesn't matter. Whatever it is that people are doing, that's what we're going to talk about. So it's like an open mic night. They get up on stage, talk about, we know, whatever. First off, I'm an intensive care bear. Get it right. Intensive care. I keep getting that mixed up. I thought you were like a super huggy care bear type. For those that want to know that in joke, just search intensive (laughs) care bear meme and you'll get it. I'm pretty sure you're grumpy. That's pretty funny. And fitting. (laughs) There's not a grumpy care bear? Not really. Actually, there is a grumpy care bear, but I can't remember what his name is. I think he's got like a storm cloud on his belly. It's been a long time since I watched the Care Bears of the 80s and early 90s, but I think there is a grumpy one. I just can't remember what his name is. That would still be our fantastic and lovable, huggable (laughs) Matt. I should be up on my uh, Care Bears knowledge to drop. I don't have those knowledge bits from the 80s. So, Nate, all I got to say is if there's an open mic night and you're involved, it's going to be open Susa talk. And that's pretty much the show. Oh, don't worry. I slip it in every show somehow. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that the entire conversation for open mic night is just going to be kind of like that comedian on open mic night who just won't get off stage. Truly. I don't like to make the show about me. I like to make it about everybody else. I like to be the least important one. I'm going to be a facilitator of discussion, not the subject of the conversation. But I'd like OpenSUSE to be the subject of the conversation. So, you know, whenever I can slip it in. I found it. I did a quick search for Care Bears. There is a grumpy bear and I was right. He does have a storm cloud on. He is blue. I do remember some of my 80s Care Bears from way back when. And it's still a current character. That's important to know. On the show. So we have now a picture of Matt as a Care Bear that can go on with everything else. And as he's singing the Care Bear song, we need to find him a costume. We should actually take a picture of his face and superimpose it on Grumpy Bear. I think that would be fitting. That actually would be a really good like avatar for him. <laughs> and let's be real. <laughs> Wendy, check element for a second. That's the meme. So you're not wrong on the Grumpy. It's just different. Nothing like sitting there with a tire iron in the class meeting. I'm an intensive care bear. (laughs) Well, Matt, I'm making changes to Linux Saloon. You're making changes to an Xbox. That is so kind of you. Thank you so much, Matt, for leaving me happy little notes inside the show notes. It just makes my day. I'm all warm and fuzzy now. That is pretty precious. Matt is one for precious notes. Totally. That he is. We should take statements from Matt, like different things that he just says on the show and sell them as those like those vinyl peel Make off Make inspirational that, quotes. Yeah, yeah, that you put on your wall. You know, I think that'd be great. Matt would, Matt would be good for Perfect. that. Perfect. Inspirational <laughs> Matt quotes. And that could be one of them. Absolutely. I'll plaster on my own wall. Get to see it every day. Make sure you have a Care Bear on there too, though, for every meme. So yeah, before the end of the year, I was able to get the uh, Xbox Series X. So technically, no, I did not buy hardware this year as far as that. But the problem with the Series X, hard drive slash SSD space and video games. You get about a terabyte. Problem is they're really big games. So I got about maybe 20 games installed right now. One of the games that I'm playing right now was like an 87 gig install after updates and everything else for one game. That is huge. That's absolutely ridiculously huge. Why are the games that big? Is this a game that's got an open world and so you have like the entire map saved on the drive or what? This particular game? No, it's just all the like high res textures and all that stuff. So 
theoretically the Xbox has what they call smart delivery. So it's supposed to know like if it's on a Series X or a Series S or if it's on a uh, Xbox One X or an Xbox One or any of that. It's supposed to know kind of like what it needs for the system. But unfortunately, most of those come with the high-res texture packs and all that stuff. So it takes up a lot of space. You know, when you have a system that is up-resing or changes the res for textures and then pushes them to like 4K and all the other stuff, it gets really really hefty on the installs that's just from a disc based game because the disc based games installed ssd kind of like on the um, xbox one and uh playstation 4 the discs are just kind of they're there more than anything else like they have the data they have the stuff and they go from there but i had to buy one of the i guess you would call them expansion card ssds that the new xbox has in the back because while technically, yes, you can actually use a USB hard drive slash SSD to store the games, you have to move them constantly back and forth from the internal SSD to the hard drive. You can't actually play the game off the hard drive, like the external SSD. So I ended up buying one of the memory cards and they're not cheap. They're like $200 for a terabyte, which is insane to me. Ouch. I bought one of those. It's spendy. It's spendy. The flip is it gives you an extra terabyte for you to actually load games onto and play from. You don't have to constantly shift and move games back and forth. It's like, oh, this is the problem with console gaming that I found in general. It's like, Nate, you'll understand this. And at one point, it was literally pop a disc in, you know, ROM or whatever, and just go play it. Can't really do that nowadays. Blowing the cartridge in, it goes, and off you're playing. None of that download, right. wait, swap files. Yeah. Now it's, oh, oh, if I have a lot of games, which I have a fair amount for the, the Xbox because of the backwards compatibility stuff, which is the whole reason I got a Series X. It's annoying to be a gamer, but when it, when it makes PC gaming seem less of a headache, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, I can see that. Investment is worth it because I can still play off the expansion card SSD, which is the big draw to that. There's no moving of files and all that stuff. It's just plugged into the system and away you go. Spendy, yes. Is it new hardware? Kind of-ish, not really. It's, you know, more of a situational buy than a, I'm just going to go buy random new hardware. You keep trying to skirt this, not necessarily a resolution you made, but goal that you made for the year. Oh, Oh, it doesn't count because of X, Y, Z. Oh, 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 it doesn't count. It doesn't count. I've already inserted the clip once about you saying that you are not going to buy new hardware. You are just going to enjoy the hardware you have. And the only caveat you gave for that was the Steam Deck and it was already on pre-order. Well, technically I did buy this. He's already blown his goal. It's March. I know. Uh. He blew it before March. (laughs) And I could go back and find that episode. Actually, I will. I will drop the episode in the show notes where he, A, said he wasn't buying anymore. And then the episode (laughs) where I insert it into the show that he's not buying hardware. I can already tell you what episode you're referring to. It was iOS and MacBook challenge. Know exactly which one you're talking about. No, it wasn't for the challenge. It was because you replaced your tablet... It was used, but it was still a new piece of hardware to you. I believe I mentioned that the whole point of that was to 
through the full Apple ecosystem by? Nope. It was because you said that you liked that version better. So you sold off a bunch of them. This is the one you wanted because it was best for the media consumption that you used it for. But you did buy new to you hardware that had nothing to do with the Apple challenge. If I have to, I will use my magic fingers and reinsert that clip right now. I'm going to do something a little different this year. I'm not making any resolutions as far as video games or anything else because we all know how well that worked last year. Uh, For six months, it did anyway. Six is pushing it. Oh, shush. (laughs) As I look around and see what I have for technology, there's really not anything I need because I try to make the distinction between what I want and what I need. While there's a lot of tech I want, I just want to be content with what I need slash have. So that means no new laptops, and it means no new desktops. That means no new, I mean, I'm not going to try a new desktop because, uh, you know, GPUs are not a thing right now. Barring something blow, you know, like a monitor blowing up or something, like, there's very few things where I'm going to like, oh, I got to go buy this. And I think I'm okay with that. Fairly achievable goal. Caveat this. I am still getting the Steam Deck. That is the one thing that I will be buying. I think what we've all learned here is that Matt's word isn't good for anything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it depends on what it is. If it's his word on not buying new games or not buying hardware, well, that's really, really hard things for him to keep. He might be able to hold off for five months. He may be able to hold off for a couple weeks, but a whole year, that's asking way too much. Now, if you want Matt's word on what is a good game to play or something else related to that, he's rock solid. Just depends on what it is. This is true. This is true. He has caused me to spend a lot more money on games than I've ever budgeted ever in my life. (laughs) Hey, it can't be as bad as Jason Evangelo sent me a screenshot of his Steam library. There's literally a portion in there that says Matt's fault for the collection. That is hilarious. I should sort it out like that. How much is Matt's fault? Nate, this is going to be like 99% of your library. Probably. 98%. There are a few things in there that are Wendy's too. Yeah, there are some things that are my fault. But I don't apologize for that. I've always been open about the fact that some Sometimes, yes, I am an enabler, but when I find stuff that's good, I just got to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Except good. for, I'm pretty sure, in one of the GameSphere streams not that long ago, Wendy, somebody said they blamed you for about 40% of their purchasing. I'm just saying. Yes. Yes, that was. And we I did talk about that a little bit last week. That, yeah, there was somebody blaming me for a large portion of their games. But I can't help it if we have the same taste in games. And just about everything I like, they like too. They're just good games. This episode of Links Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so that you and your teams can get back to work doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. Predictable pricing, robust product documents, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. Get support at every stage of growth from teams of one to teams of 1,000 with simple and powerful cloud computing. Get growing at DigitalOcean. 
As a listener of Linux Out Loud, a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go get started with your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform. Go to do.co slash tux2022. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. So while Wendy is busy going back in time and reminding me of hardware that I have purchased and I know why I purchased... (laughs) And reminding you guys as well, the question of hardware longevity purpose and all the other questions as it relates to hardware kind of comes up though. There's been a lot of talk around the Steam Deck as an example, obviously, and its purpose. Is it a console? Is it a, is it a PC? Is it kind of a hybrid of everything? And then, of course, if you view it as a console, you have the, okay, what's the longevity of that piece of hardware? And that does bring up a good point of computing as a whole, though. What is the life expectations of a piece of hardware? Nate, I would say for you, it's probably a whole lot longer than most people. That is a truth. I like to push my hardware as long as possible. It's largely the reason I got into Linux in the first place, because I want to control over my hardware and for me to decide when something is done, not for somebody else to decide for me. I've kept pieces of hardware going you know, much longer than, than expected, such as I have a Dell Latitude D630 that I bought in 2007, and I used it as my primary machine until 2017. And it held up great. In fact, it still works. That's for later. My machine I replaced it with has already been replaced. I got a parting gift from a previous employer. It just made more sense to use this machine when I popped some more RAM in it. But no, I keep my hardware around a long time. I don't like to throw stuff away. And so for me, I don't like to buy things, really. So I have nothing to throw away. It's kind of my thing. So if I'm going to get something, I've, I've really thought about that purchase for a long time before I made it. Or the other side of it too is sometimes people just give me old things and then I repurpose it and I use it until it's just no longer usable. So for me, I have you know pretty long expectations for my hardware. And I try and make those decisions as such that the piece of hardware is quality enough that it will last a long time or it's upgradable or something along those lines. When I built my Commodore 64 Imposter, I chose parts, you know, I could then upgrade the machine later as well. Buying something I know would last me a long time, but also knowing that I'm going to upgrade it probably later. You know, probably a better CPU will give me a whole other lease of life on the thing. And also I have a motherboard that can take up to 64 gigabytes of RAM. I'm barely using the 32 now, so I don't see me needing it right now. But computer programs only seem to go one direction when it comes to memory usage, unless it's in the Linux world, and then sometimes less. I'm very deliberate on my choices for hardware because I do have expectations that are long-lasting. I think that hardware overall can last a long time like that as long as you're taking good care of it. It's one of those things that if you're doing, you know, proper maintenance, whether you're comfortable with opening up the system and doing that maintenance or more comfortable with having a friend do it, paying somebody else to do it. But as long as that maintenance is being kept up, so you're cleaning the dust out, repolying thermal paste, I'd say at least every three to five years to those different pieces of hardware, they can last you for a very, very long time and run quite well. Oh, for sure. I'm amazed how well old things do run just by taking care of it. It's not that hard to change a thermal paste, really. Even in a laptop, 
Well, okay, not some of them, but since I do buy machines that are business grade, like laptops, like the Dell Latitude line, or now I have an HP Elite book, they make everything very accessible to do maintenance. On the, it seems like they take that into account you know, for, for longevity. Yeah, some builds do and some builds don't. The Dell that was my in-laws, reapplying thermal paste to that one was a real big pain in the tush. And it was just the way they had things laid out. And you had to take out a whole bunch of stuff just in order to get to the CPU itself. So some are definitely better than others. I know my daughter's really wasn't that bad, but it was a gamer-specific Lenovo. It has a really solid chassis on it. And so getting thermal place reapplied to that one really wasn't that big of a deal. I've already looked up the instructions for my graphics card on replacing the thermal paste for it because it is definitely overdue just time-wise to have that done. And really, it's not too bad. You just want to make sure that you're in a comfortable place and you can keep track of your screws. There's nothing worse than going to put something like that back together and you've lost one of those teeny tiny ABD screws and now have to look for it. Well, I've done that many times. Yeah, same here. One of those. Oh, uh, you didn't need that screw. Worst one is when you actually put it all back together and then you have an extra one. You're like, where'd you go? Uh oh. <laughs> Where were you supposed to go? The way I do it anymore is like I'll go in a clockwise motion, especially on the back of the case to pull the screws off and line them up and have them on a magnet so they're less likely to flop all over the place. And then when I go put them back, that's a good idea, put them back in the exact same order that I took them out of. Or if it's something that I can't put them in the same order, then I've got them lined up at least in reverse and can go reverse in the same order that I put them in. But if I do that same motion every time, it kind of helps me remember where they go and I'm less likely to have extra screws at the end of this cleaning job or repair job. Especially for those gosh dang ones that have like some are long, some are short and you need to remember which screw goes in which hole. Yeah, just line them up. I'm in the same boat as Nate as far as I want to try to get the most out of my hardware. Obviously basic maintenance is a thing on it. A lot of people will ask why I still use a ancient thick workstation as my preferred platform for video editing and stuff as an example. The CPU is fine. The amount of RAM I can put in it is fine. The screen is fine. The keyboard is fine. And like from a hardware perspective, it's fine. The reason I haven't upgraded anything for it is because I only need to upgrade one component in the entire system for it to stay relevant. As opposed to where we have this more modern mentality, if you're, especially if you're an Apple person or whatever, where everything's just soldered and glued together and it's like, well, that's your machine. Good luck. For me, the key component to that particular machine I have is the fact that I can upgrade that one component that is the weakness, which is the GPU. That has exponentially given me many more years than that system would ever originally be able to handle. I mean, we're, we're talking about a system that came out almost 10 years ago, second gen Core i7, quad core. It's long in the tooth by far as far as like processor technology and stuff, but usage-wise, I changed out the GPU. Hey, look, I still have an officially supported NVIDIA GPU. Whereas if I dropped it when original GPU went out, which was a GTX 480, essentially, it would have been six years ago. Looking at the cost analysis of like, okay, ironically, part of the reason I have the Asus laptop is because originally NVIDIA was dropping the GPU support for that particular card that I had originally replaced with because they were dropped the 700 series support for the, in the Quadro card that I had replaced with. And I was like, well, gotta go look at GPUs. And I cried. <laughs> 
even for the MXM cards, I could not justify a $300 upgrade in the GPU, what you would consider a substantial upgrade in GPU performance. Because I was going, I was looking at the high end Quadro cards or the straight up like 980M cards, and they were minimum $250, $300, not counting all the other stuff. So I was like, skirt, bought a laptop, 11th gen i7, 16 gigs of RAM, you know, dedicated GPU, all the stuff. Come to find out, I just didn't do my eBay food enough, and I found a card that was $70 to upgrade as opposed to spending the $950 that I did on, on a brand new system. It's stuff like that where you're like, okay, it's still a quad-core system, which the 11th gen I have is a quad-core system, you know, and so you look at that, that stuff and it's like $70, $1,000, which one's a better investment and can give me enough time to save up that $1,000 where it doesn't make me want to cry. <laughs> biggest thing of like hardware longevity because I don't expect that out of these newer systems. I don't expect five years at best. Yeah, there is a lot to be said for these older pieces of hardware where the dedicated GPU isn't soldered onto the board. I would love to be able to upgrade the GPU in my daughter's laptop and that is just not possible because it is soldered onto the board itself. And so once that graphics card is no longer getting any support at all, direct support from NVIDIA, it really unfortunately drops a lot of its usability inside Linux because then you're just using the Mesa drivers. Now, do they work? Yes, you can get it to work. You can get some performance out of it, but it's not the same. And in your case, if you're using it for rendering or some of these heavier needed use cases, having those drivers specifically from NVIDIA make a huge difference in its performance. So while she'll be able to use this laptop for a long time to come, and I'm pretty sure that as time goes on, this laptop will be transferred down to a younger sibling. I don't think we in and of ourselves will be getting rid of it for quite a while. Now that I've got at least some use of the GPU, we'll probably be hanging on to it. Though I have threatened to put Windows back on it and sell it at certain times when it was really making me kind of angry. Hmm. And then my daughter goes, but mom, I really like it. And part of the reason why she really likes it, it's the colors. It's red and black. So oh yeah, that is nice. she'd want something similar to that too. Mm -hmm. Nice looking system, but there is a lot to be said for these older systems that you can upgrade individual parts that you can't upgrade now. The current system that is in my kitchen is definitely an older one. In order to tell you for sure exactly what it is, I'd have to go look at it again, but it's one of those mini tower systems that's currently sitting on my kitchen counter. It has a 4th gen i7 in it right now. I believe it's 4th gen i7 that's in there. And there is no reason at all to change up that system. It does exactly what I want it to. Okay, I take that back. There is a reason to change it up, but that's only if Ryan is beating me on the kitchen system game. That's the only reason I'll need to actually upgrade the system at all. Otherwise, it's working perfectly fine. It also has 16 gigs of RAM, which is complete and total overkill. Like, I never get anywhere near that but it was one of those I've got to beat Ryan thing so it ended up getting an extra stick of RAM it has 16 even though it doesn't need it the only thing I would probably do to the system itself is get it mounted differently so right now it's actually sitting on the kitchen counter the monitor is sitting on top of that it works all right but I would love to have the additional counter space with the wiring a little cleaner and that case mounted somewhere else in order to 
make more counter room. This is where one of those much smaller systems like the one that Manjaro is currently offering would be absolutely fantastic. Not because I need different hardware, but size-wise it being able to mount to the back of the monitor, being able to mount the monitor on an arm, and just having so much more room for that specific application. Otherwise, that kitchen system is here to stay because it does exactly what I need it to and it runs Manjaro beautifully. One of my systems that I have, it's a converted laptop that has been converted into a HTPC. So it literally looks like, if you look at where my TV is, it looks like it's part of home entertainment system because it's just a thin ultrabook that I converted to making sure that it always goes to the TV for XBMC or, sorry, Cody, I'm old. As far as my naming conventions, it does everything I needed too. So from an appliance perspective, I don't really need a whole lot more from it than that. Yeah, it's a third gen i7. I think it maxes out at 12 gigs of RAM through a couple of SSDs in there. And I have a couple external hard drives attached to it. And there's my home theater PC. That's its feature. That's its function. It's USB 3. Everything works. So it's like, it doesn't need to have a higher expectation than does it run. <laughs> so I totally get where you're coming from with that, where it's these converted systems that we and uses that we can find for these older systems are abundant. I mean, just look at all the stuff people have been able to do with Raspberry Pis originally. And the whole point of a Pi was to get computers into the hands of kids to develop stuff and the hobbyist market just went nuts with it adults are kids too at least they can be that wonder and excitement that raspberry pies give you even though they're not very powerful makes me feel like a kid again when you know computers were in one little box or whatever single board yeah i totally agree oh, well that's that's my point though it's like we can do a whole lot better and be more creative with what we do with some of these systems than uh throw it in a closet or throw it in a landfill than happens quite frequently which i think is a lot of where i view my technology is i don't have a life expectancy out of the hardware if it's a laptop as an example like if the cpu goes on the home theater pc okay that's gonna suck but the cost to fix versus the cost to replace, probably not worth it given how old the system is. It's one of those cost analyses that you really have to look at and find the better replacement mentality, I think, than we do, whereas it's chuck the thing in the trash if it's broken. And for some people who want to mess and tinker with boards and CPUs and all that stuff, eh, I'll throw the thing up on eBay for like 20 bucks and here you go, have, have at it. We have too much of a consumer mentality where it's just like, oh, it's broken, throw it away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there are so many of those things that can be fixed. And then in building a system... I know when I built this one a couple of years ago, the plan was it needed to be my main system for a minimum of five years. And I wanted to make sure that the hardware that I was putting in it wasn't going to be a problem. Now, as I've mentioned before, the only thing I didn't upgrade was the GPU. And I'm kicking myself for that now because it does need an upgrade. But when either one of you are building a system or buying a new system, is that is something you're considering? How long does this hardware need to last? Is it going to be future proof in a way of these are my needs? Will it handle it for this amount of time? Yeah, when it's a custom built like a desktop system, I totally get that. I try to plan for at least five years with the hardware that's on the system that I'm buying or building. For me, it's very much a five-year plan. I mean, granted, with GPU prices <laughs> the way they are at the moment, I don't know about that one. I'm already on year three right now with this particular system, and the GPU was old-ish when I got it, so don't know with that mentality. It might be a much, much longer use system than I initially planned. 
I'm in the same boat. I'm usually about a, if it's a custom built system, it's about five years for me. For me, it's been, at least historically, when I have to upgrade it, when my needs outweigh the computer's ability to maintain those, it's a three to five year plan. Like I want to get at least three to five years out of machine. I don't normally buy brand new machines normally. So I, I figure if I get at least three years out of machine that I'm getting, you know, that's a couple years old, that's not bad. Now, I am still using my E6440, my Dell Latitude E6440, not as heavily as I did once before, but I am still using it. It's not retired by any means. It's used almost every day for you know, specific purposes, but it's not my primary machine. That's definitely at the five-year mark now. The Elite Book that I have, I plan on getting at least five years out of it. If I don't get five years out of it, I'll be surprised. If I don't get five years out of it, it's because I broke it tragically and it's not worth fixing. That's the way I see it. This is kind of what initially brought up this whole conversation. The Steam Deck in and of itself is... A console, it's an open console, really. It has like ancillary things where you can, you know, desktop mode and install flat packs and that kind of stuff. But its feature, function, and purpose in life is to, you know, stream and play video games. The thing that Valve's done is turn the console concept on top of its head because it went from the walled garden approach, which, you know, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo do, to open it, tinker it, you know, play with it, the machine. We don't care. It's a foreign concept to a lot of people who grew up on consoles. I know, like, you know, you hear about all these people who would mod consoles and stuff and, you know, they'd get sued and all the other stuff. And then you have a player coming in is like, here's a product, kind of a Pine64 approach where it's like they ship with a default OS, they ship with a default experience, but they're like, do what you want with the hardware. We don't care. Tinker it, open it. It's yours. Do what you will. I think is totally not something consumers generically are really used to. So how long do you think that machine is going to last people? I think that based on what the hardware is itself and the fact that it is open to load pretty much whatever software you want it, this is one of those that here in like 20 or 30 years, it's going to be on some retro tech show. Look at this <laughs> Steam that I still have. It's running beautifully. It still plays these games. Because of emulation and Linux and all of that, I can see this being a piece of hardware that is running for years to come. And it may not be Jill, but something like Jill's Hardware Spotlight with a Steam Deck. Nate, are you talking community support or official support? There's two different ways to look at that. Well, in Linux, is there really a difference? I mean, yes, yes, there is a difference, but no official support for a lot of things, but the kernel still supports a lot of things that are supported. When I say official support, I don't mean kernel support. I mean official support from the company. How long am I expecting Valve to officially have this on their, we pushed out updates to it like they have been kind of mentality? As far as a piece of open hardware, the sky's the limit on that because, you know, it's the community. Valve has done a lot of things right when it comes to specifically the Steam Deck, putting the CAD files out there for people to build cases and 3D print kind of whatever the heck you want with it and for accessory makers. And all, that's great. That's awesome. I love the open market idea for that. Replacement parts probably aren't going to be a problem, <laughs> which is really nice. They partnered with iFixit, which is also really nice. Yeah, for sure. So they're doing a lot of stuff right for official support. How long do I think the hardware in and of itself will be able to do its main current function? That is hard to tell. There is a level of future-proofing that they... Uh, I hate the term future-proofing. There is a level of longevity that they expected out of the machine, given the fact that it's always, yes, Zen 2, 4-core, 8-thread. There's a lot of stuff I don't think is really going to matter because can it do its primary function, which is to play games. Once it starts getting to the level of, say, 
And I like the Switch. It's the closest thing that is relatively comparable as far as what it does, like its primary function. If you look at the actual tech of the Switch, it's basically a mid-range 2016 smartphone as far as like the SoC and stuff on it. That's gotten six years, five, six years now. It's juiced up a bit. Yeah, it's been juiced up a little bit. But generically, the hardware in and of itself hasn't changed. It can be as long as however the community wants to. Valve, I would say probably five years. You know, if you're going by typical console cycle, if you're going by typical the life expectancy and like buy and sell in business cycles, you know, how they buy hardware, it's about five years, roughly, give or take. I think five years would be great, really. You know, I was thinking about this as we're talking and how long is something officially supported? And I can't say I'm as much interested in official support as I am community support, if I'm perfectly honest with you. And the reason I say that is I realize I beat this horse a lot, but the Commodore 64. The reason why you say this is because you already said that you're not keeping the main OS that it ships with on it. You're putting OpenSUSE on it. So there we go. We already know your position on the official software that it ships with. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take that Steam stuff off. I, maybe not right <laughs> away, but fairly quickly. But like, let's look at the Commodore 64. It has not had official support in 30 years, right? But there's actually more hardware and more things being done with it today than there was 30 years ago when it production. Does that piece of hardware have a kind of life of its own? Does it have enough character, enough personality, enough... Was there enough love put into something that they can actually carry it on through the generations? If it done well enough, and I mean, I saw the teardown and everything else, if the community grabs onto it as much as I think they might, I think it'd have a life of its own for in perpetuity, really. I'm not so concerned about official support as I am about, is there going to be support in some fashion for the hardware, because it's an open platform, the software is a little bit irrelevant. This episode of Linux LR is brought to you by Bitwarden. One thing we can do to protect ourselves is having unique passwords for every online account that we have. I've been using Bitwarden for a while now to do just that. It not only helps me keep track of the many passwords I now have, it includes a random password generator, you can set the length of special characters, and so much more. But here at its open source, receives third-party security auditing, and you can get started for free by going to bitwarden.com DLN. Want some of their premium features like one gigabyte of file storage, vault health reports, or just support the project? It starts for only $10 a year. Jump over to bitwarden.com DLN to get started with your free account now. While we're talking about obsolescence and building systems and what we expect from systems and the education that we get from all of that stuff and expectations, one day you're busy building something a little different and getting a little bit of a different kind of education from what it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. I've talked about our Lego League quite a bit on this show. It's probably one of the funnest things that I'm involved in. And I've talked a little bit about, you know, needing to get our own robot. We are wanting to code it with Python next year. And so that's kind of one of the current things on my list in that like spare time that I have. I'm working on Python. I am learning it along with the kids at Thursday co-op each week working on this stuff together. And in order to make sure that come next year when we start a new robot game, that I have a good understanding not only of Python, but how to use that in order to code our particular robot on my list right now to purchase is a spike 
Prime Robot Kit. Our team has the additional expansion set too, so I want to get both of them. Originally, I was thinking that I might be able to get a grant for the robot because these aren't cheap. You know, they are definitely not toys. They're not something that the kids will just be able to run around the house and play with on their own. It's kind of one of those things that we'll work on together. And my older boy, I'm not necessarily as worried about, though I don't want the pieces getting lost. My younger child, he would definitely take it outside and then that would be the end of the robot. <laughs> not a I good situation. I feel like I understand. Yes, as a parent, I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah, because we're looking at, what, probably right around $500 total for this kit. It's not a cheap kit in general. Because the grant I was kind of looking into isn't going to be a possibility. I went through what we have left for our school funds for the year and I will be able to make this work. So I'm super, super excited. It hasn't been ordered yet. I hope to do that here in the next couple weeks to get our own Spike Prime set. And then each year the game board changes. So the game that we played, the robot game that we played this year is going to be completely different next year. And I'm hoping to borrow the game board from our current leader and have it at home during the summer so that we can use those same tasks that we were doing last year in order to code the robot and figure out how to do some of these different things. One of the obstacles that you run into with this robot game is that some of these places are really, really tight and you need to have finer controls over your robot movement so you're not knocking things over or being able to place things exactly like they're supposed to. The coding that we were using before, while it was working, we were able to do some of the things that we wanted to. There was other things that just wasn't fine-tuned enough to do. And this is where being able to use MicroPython will make a big difference in that. The other thing that I'd like to do over the course of this, and Bill is really the one that gave me this idea. So I have to thank Bill once again for all of the amazing stuff he does and even the ideas that he brings to me as we're doing this. But it would be so cool to not only have the kids coding their robot in Python, but then being able to upload their code to GitHub or something like that, being able to say, hey, I've made this changes to the code and submit that in order for it to be brought into exactly what their robot is doing. And this goal, the goal of the program is that basically everybody wins. Like not everybody can be a professional basketball player, but all of the kids, if they want to, can go into some sort of engineering, technology, robotics. It is a grounds for learning and developing those passions and kind of finding what you want to do with the rest of your life and having those skills right now and being able to say, hey, I can code my robot in Python, I know how this works, and then I can submit changes of my code upstream to this overall project that we're working on together is kind of the dream I have right now. And that starts with A, me getting my own robot so we can play with it over the summer. And then I plan to make some videos for the team. So we won't be together all summer, but me and my son, probably my younger daughter, she seems really, really excited about this, has kind of got her eye on joining the Lego team next year if there's a spot open. And in that case, I want to be able to make videos. Okay, this is what we're doing. This is the code that we're working on. This is 
how we're making it work so that when we start meeting again in August, that there'll be kind of a grounds. So there'll be some stuff that they've been able to see and work with and know kind of what we've been doing at home and be able to start from that base instead of starting from total Yeah, I think that's really zero. awesome. I mean, expensive. It really makes me want to look into some sort of a local Lego league. I think my kids would really get into that. I don't know where my malfunction is, why I haven't gotten involved in that already, but it sounds time. really cool. <laughs> yeah, time. There's that whole time thing. You know, if we could only get like 26 hours a day, that'd be great. I think a couple extra hours, I could definitely, definitely use those. Make that work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Superman to slow down the rotation of the earth or something. Yeah, it would be so nice to have some extra hours in the day. And I can understand with everything going on why it's probably one of the things that you haven't done yet. But it's definitely one of the reasons why I love this program, why we're going to be getting our own robot. And even if the kids weren't going to be involved in the actual team itself this year, I really love this robot kit. And I love the fact that you can use a different program because I was trying to look at some of the different options in writing it in micro python and there is one called i believe it's called pybricks which is an open source project you do not need to have the quote-unquote specially app installed on your tablet you can write all of the code in a web browser they even have an offline mode and be able to send the code to your robot that way instead of having to have this very specific proprietary lego league branded app to make your robot work I am looking more into that project itself. I will leave a link in the description. They have the ability to use not only the Spike Prime, but other robots that have been in that Lego education avenue and the generations of this growing learning robotics in and of itself. So if you have a robot and if you would like to learn how to code it in Python or you don't want to use the Lego app itself, this will be a really good thing to Keep us updated on this project because it's very fascinating to me and it gets me all excited. Oh, I'll absolutely be sharing as we hit victories with getting it to do the certain tasks that we want or, you know, figuring out the code that we're working on. I will definitely be sharing our excitement. I might be even dropping a few videos in the discourse form as things go along when we have specific wins. So there will be updates about this all summer. It's probably going to be one of the things that I talk about the most this summer is our trials and tribulations with the Spike Prime kit and just figuring out the coding part of it. There were all kind of hints being dropped about your Dell Latitude D630. Now I've got to know, what are you doing with it? What's going on? You say you're still using it, but there's got to be something fun with this particular It is rather old. I did buy it in 2007. And what makes it special to me is I have taken it with me many places in the world. It's flown more times than I can actually count off the top of my head, like over a pond or a other side of the country. I didn't really want to just get rid of this machine. I did retire it last year sometime. I thought that I'd bring it out and see, can tumbleweed still roll? After a year of just sitting on this Core 2 Duo machine, can it still go? Can it still be kept up to date? Can it still be functional? How bad are the Nouveau graphics for the NVIDIA GPU that's in there? I turned it on, did a uh, sudo zipper dump on it. It completed without any problems, no um, warnings or anything like that. Rebooted, and I was impressed that it still 
is usable. I mean, outside of like multimedia things that you know, are a little more heavy now than they were when I retired the machine, it actually, it's really pretty great. Slower, it does have a spinning rust drive and it does start up, you know, a lot slower than these brand new machines, but it's very usable. It has eight gig of RAM in it, a one terabyte spinning rust hard drive. And actually the, the newer drivers have improved greatly to such that it doesn't have these glaringly irritating glitches as it once did. And maybe that's improvements in Plasma. Maybe that's improvements in the drivers themselves. The no longer supported NVIDIA Quattro NVS135M GPU is uh, still able to do a lot of the things you know that you would expect. So am I doing anything like real fun with it? More of an experiment to see if I could use this computer. And actually I was thinking, because the battery actually has great life in it still, it's like 98% or no, 80, 89% life left in the battery. I was thinking I might sort of pull it out of not employ it full time, but kind of take it out of retirement now and you know, just use it here and there rather than my nicer machine. I'm going to do some typing like in bed or whatever before I fall asleep. Maybe I'll take this machine with me. The keyboard is really nice in it. Like I still think it's a better keyboard than what you know, modern laptops have and so forth. As far as gaming is concerned, uh, probably not going to do any gaming with it. But the fun that I'm going to have with it is just enjoying the fact that it still has a little life left in it in this rather long in the tooth machine. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, actually. I'm impressed that the um, people in the open source Linux community are still supporting old hardware. You know, the OpenSUSE experience on it is actually quite good and Plasma runs very well on it. I would think that like Plasma would be kind of laggy or whatever, the lack of GPU power, but it doesn't hesitate or anything like that. That's pretty impressive. It's a testament not only to Linux, but to OpenSUSE and Plasma. And if you wanted to, a simple upgrade would be swapping out that spinning rust for an SSD, which would probably be the only change I personally would make, and it's because I'm clumsy. And I wouldn't want to lose data on it just because I bumped mm -hmm. it wrong or whatever, and now I've destroyed the disk that's <laughs> in it. But yeah, that's really, really cool that this machine is still working so well. And it was such a simple update. And you're The data that's on it is all been mirrored onto my other machines. So it's not critical because it was in my sync thing web of machines that stayed updated. The sync thing is disabled on it now because I didn't want to like working real hard. But putting a, an SSD in there and just using it that way, that actually might not be a bad upgrade and might make it totally usable and comparable to, you know, maybe some other machines that I have. If you do take on that project, I'd love to hear about how it goes. It's probably going to be one that's pretty simple to service because it is one of those latitude business models. It should take you all of a couple seconds, swap out hard drives and do a fresh install and you're good to go. That's no exactly what it's going to be. I think it's pretty amazing though. It really is. Uh, silly old machine still works fine. Well, Matt, you have another game to enable the community on and pry that hardworking cash from their pockets. So what is it this time? Well, it's not going to pry any money out of your wallet. You know, you're kind of like Michael. You have to crowbar your wallet open occasionally. Uh, this game is too <laughs> new. I know you will have absolutely no interest in this game. However, this game is, ironically, that was a big, I don't want to say launch title, but it was a big exclusive for the Xbox One originally. And then it came out on PC. And I've been playing this on the Series X. So this game is Quantum Break. It is presented as an episodic game that deals with time loops and basically what happens if you shatter time is kind of the overarching theme of the game. But it's an action adventure game, so there's you get time powers and all that kind of stuff where you can do some interesting mechanics for the game. Hmm. The thing that's interesting about this game is it has a live 
and this is the nostalgia portion probably for me because of FMV games. The story is presented in not just the like in-game like cutscene engine stuff, but also done in like episodic live action, 20 minute episodes, which mm-hmm. also expand on the story. You have choices that you can kind of make on the direction of the story and all that stuff. But each one of those live actions episodes will have little things that are different in it. If throughout the gameplay portion of the game, you will occasionally interact with things that will cause what they call time effect ripples or quantum ripples, I believe is the actual term in the game. And you'll see like little nuances of that show up in those live action things. Like there's one portion that I would just play through where one of the characters, you, you walk up to this board that nobody's been able to solve a scientific problem. And it's like, oh, quantum ripple. And you get to the end of the episode and you hear just kind of in the background. Oh, and somebody solved this problem that nobody's been able to solve. And so it's like little things like that. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. The gameplay is very duck cover, time power, shoot people. It's like the gameplay is not anything to write home about. But the way and they tried to tell the story is very interesting. And that's kind of what makes me personally like it. This might be something that gives way to an interesting idea that I'm having to do in April, but I will have more on that when I get some details finalized. Can be a little pricey. I think it's like 30 bucks if I remember correctly on Steam right now. 40. No, 40. Okay. It's rated silver. The FMVs used to be a problem. According to some of the reports on ProtonDB, that is no longer an issue. Take it with a grain of salt. So you might just get a bunch of uh, old Technicolor uh, static bars, you know, with some colors, you know, the rainbow colors, <laughs> if uh, the videos don't play for those live action portions. It's more of like a $20 game, but it's definitely an interesting experience nonetheless. The download size of this file is absolutely huge. It's saying storage 68 gigs. Yeah, is it really yeah, that big? Yeah, yeah. Whoa. And is that from those episodic storytelling portions of the Not game Not sure itself? on the PC version. I know for my particular version on the Series X, that is the game that takes up the 86 gigs. So <laughs> there's that. Holy moly. So if you yeah. do buy this game, don't be like Michael Tonell and run out of hard drive space. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I was just thinking for me, that would actually take, I swear, a week in order for it to download because... What was it? Doom. We got the 2016 version, I think it was. That one was a massive download, and I can't remember how long it took, but it took for absolutely ever for download. This one, I would just have to leave my computer on, leave the house for the day, make sure that it couldn't go to sleep, but turn my screens off and just let it go to town and hope that by the time I got home, maybe after a weekend, that the game would yeah, be Yeah, I'm not saying it's a small game. It's one of those games that it's more interesting to play and experience, but once you play and experience it, I don't think you'd go back to it. That's kind of where I'm at with it. It's kind of like some of the uh, more in-depth gamers will know who I mean when I say it. It's more like uh, David cage game so those that don't know who david cage is he's the guy that's in charge of quantic dream which has made games like uh fahrenheit or indigo prophecy for those who want a little older name drop on it there's fahrenheit there's i've recommended a few of his games detroit become human uh heavy rain and beyond two souls are all kind of like david cage games. they're played for experience they're not played for like multiple playthroughs kind of games that's kind of where this falls in the interesting thing is this is done by remedy who was the guys who did alan wake and they also did the original uh, max Payne games which 
I'm assuming Nate knows who what games those are because they're PS2 at least. I sure do. Definitely an interesting break from their normal storytelling aspect, which uh, again, that's really why I'm recommending it. Not at the $40 price tag though, I will say that. Well, I think the game looks fantastic. I'm not one to say such things and this probably wouldn't be in my wheelhouse. And also 68 gigabytes, uh, that's a lot. I don't know what the actual download size would be. I'm sure it's somewhat compressed from there. That would take quite a while, probably a few days to download for me. At this point, it seems like just send me a cartridge I can plug into my uh, USB port or something. That's an insane amount of space. And the nice thing is because I have the newest Xbox, this is a backwards compatible game. So if you really want to experience it and you have an Xbox, the game's like eight bucks with the disc. Which Xbox? It originally came out for the Xbox One. That was after the 360, right? Yeah, it was after the 360. So that was the version we have, but this one was rated M for mature, so definitely not one. No, for the definitely kids. not. There is a lot of a uh, lot of vulgarity. Let's just put it that way. A lot of language that is not family friendly. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topic. Hit the discourse forum, drop us a line under this video, or you can use the contact form by visiting dlnxtend.com slash contacts. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show descriptions. Find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Saloon, and many more. Go to destinationlinux.network. You can show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows on the network by going to the DLN merch store. Grab yourself some of the awesome swag that we have there, like the gamer-centric I Pause My Game to Be Here shirt, my personal favorite. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome suit of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banner friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. Mm-hmm.